vitamins. Rescue supplements have you covered. Interested but don't know where to start? Rescue has a free personalized health survey ready for you. You'll automatically get matched with the supplements that fit your health goals. Less than five minutes and no commitment. For the free survey, visit res-q.life. That's res-q.life. Find out more about Rescue products by calling 1-800-26-ALIVE. That's 1-800-26-ALIVE. Or go to the website at res-q.com today. The largest gun store in the area. Relic Hunter Firing Line, Egypt Road in Copley. 7-9-W-A-P-P. Okay, honey, plug in the lights. Plugging. Unplug it. Unplug it. Unplug it again. Is the Santa Claus supposed to make sparks like that? I think I might be on fire. Can I be of service? The when disaster strikes, when your awesome Christmas lights are just too much for your lousy electrical panel, one man will be by your side, fighting for truth, justice, and a hazard-free holiday. Well, aren't you a jolly, handsome little elf? I'm the H.L. Bowman Bowman. And did you know that the electrical experts at H.L. Bowman can replace or expand your old electrical panel to keep your holiday display shining brightly? Without all the sparks and the burning smell? I believe that's his hair, madam. Do either of you have a fire extinguisher? Visit hlbowman.com. Updated Lehigh Valley forecast from the National Weather Service. A mix of sun and clouds for today in 52. Mostly cloudy tonight, 36. Tomorrow, cloudy with periods of rain. Heavy rain in the afternoon. Tomorrow's high, 53. DLP Capital Partners temperature, 37. The following is a paid-for advertisement. From the Rescue Healthline Studios, News Radio 790 WAEB. The Lehigh Valley's news, traffic, and weather. An iHeart Radio station. Good morning and welcome to More Than Money. This is your host today, Alyssa Young. Thank you for joining me. I have two hours worth of stuff to share with you, but I have no Jean to share with you. Um, I am flying solo today while Jean is with his family celebrating a huge milestone. Um, Jean and Diane's middle daughter, Dr. Alyssa not to be confused with yours truly, Alyssa Young. Uh, she is receiving her PhD today. Lots of hard work, lots of schooling. She will um, walk in her cap and gown and um, receive that degree in, at West Virginia University. So the Dickinsons made a road trip yesterday to be with her. Um, they have a, a day full of festivities, so we wish them the best. Um, enjoy that time together and safe travels home. So I am honored to be able to fill in so that Gene could be with his family to celebrate. Um, that's where they all belong to, together. Um, they have a nice dinner planned after the graduation, so I hope everybody enjoys that. So the rest of you are stuck with me and Archie. We don't have John today either, so it's the Archie and Alyssa Show, 
and you are welcome to join us. So you know we are live, and um, you can listen to our show on um, AM radio, or you can stream online. So if you feel like, oh, yeah, I want to stay tuned, but I've got to go, I've got things to do, you can take us with you um, on your phone, on your um tablet on your computer go to iHeartMedia and stream you can actually the easiest way to get this show streaming is to go to our website morethemoneyonline.com there's a red button that will pop up right in the middle of the screen click that button and you'll hear us crystal clear and you've got me for the next two hours so the way to make this show the most interesting for you and for me is to call and join me. Um, you can call us at 833-707-7900 and I will answer your questions to the best of my ability. Or you can email me at alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com. Send your questions or your comments there and become part of the show. Um, it's the most interesting when we can talk about stuff that's important to you. And there's a whole variety of topics that can cover um, anything from uh, retirement, income, uh, investment accounts, um, taxes, uh, Social Security, Medicare, insurance, uh, state planning, uh, reverse mortgages, annuities, lots of topics. It's um, anything that kind of affects your financial life, uh, gifting, inheritance, all that good stuff. Um, if you have something on your mind that you want to talk about, call 833-707-7900. Archie will answer the phone and take down your name and um, we'll put you on air and um, chat. So do that or email me and um, you know, we'll make sure that we help other people learn from your experience. So if you do have to miss part of the show today or you've missed past shows and you want to catch up, um, our full shows are available on our website. This one will be posted sometime Monday afternoon. Um, you can go to morethemoneyonline.com to check out the archive or use your podcast app. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find More Than Money with Gene Dickinson and see our past episodes and catch up. So I hope you will do that, and um, I hope that you call today or email me today to um, ask what's on your mind. So in the meantime, I've got some stuff for you. I have some emailed questions. People email us all throughout the week um, with questions, and uh, what happens there is our advisors share the responsibility of answering those questions um, so everybody gets an answer and then we share many of them not every single one but we share many of them on the air so I've got a pile of emailed questions that I will share with you and we'll talk about um, uh, Gene actually also um, talks a lot about a lot of these questions on his television shows too so um, which you can also find on our website so that's the the kind of backup information I have if you don't call or email me today I'm going to share with you some of the stuff that's coming um, to the office through the week and some of it might be um, interesting or educational for you so I think that covers it for now um, you know how to get involved in this show and if you're a loyal listener you know how this works so I will kind of start out with a little bit of, I guess, news. I already shared um, where Gene is, and um, I also have other good news. But my my son is home from college, so my husband went and picked him up 
yesterday after his last exam, so one semester down already. I have to admit that did go kind of fast. Um, you know, it was difficult for me um, for him to be away, and uh, it's cool that he's already done uh, halfway. Uh, first year is already over. So he's glad to be home. He's been working really hard, uh, well-deserved break. We have him for like five weeks and so we're looking forward to spending time together and letting him rest up and um, kind of decompress after a hard semester's worth of work at Westchester. And so we're proud of him. He he did well in his first set of classes, and um, and it's like I said, it's nice to have him home. Um, as far as uh, Christmas shopping goes, I had a couple of uh, clients who emailed me during the week about random things, and they said, you know, I hope you're. Christmas shopping is going well, and I had to say, um, yeah, about that. <laughs> I feel uh, very far behind. I cannot believe that today is already December 16th. So um, you know how some people count down to exciting things by saying, like, three more sleeps or whatever. Well, we've got one more show after this before Christmas, uh, one more more than money show. Um, yeah, a lot to do yet. I have a lot of gift-giving stuff to figure out. Wrapping, not so much because I don't... I mean, I have a few things to wrap. They won't take me that long. Um, but I also haven't started baking cookies yet. And I usually wait till closer to Christmas because if I bake them too early, we'll eat them all. And then I won't have any left to share when we see people for like on the holidays. So I always wait so that we have, you know, cookies left over to to share with other people and I also don't want them to be stale um, but I'm thinking this year we might be cutting down on the number of Christmas cookies because we don't want to eat so many Christmas cookies there's lots of treats in the office um, the people who visit us at the War of the Money World headquarters have been very kind and we've got chocolates and cookies and oh, every time I go in the kitchen to get coffee or water or lunch and I see all that stuff on the counter it's hard to resist. So uh, we thank you for feeding us. It's nice to have those sweet treats. But at the same time, I'm like stressing a little bit about, you know, try not to eat too many. Um, I'm also closing in on end of the year. My my running goal for the last few years has been to run more miles than I did the year before. So I've done that for the last, I don't know, three years or so, I think. I keep I, I finally had hit the 1,000 mile milestone and um, every year since I've beat that. So um, last year I ran, I don't remember the exact number. I think it's it's more than 1,700 miles. I ran um, in 2022. Let's see, I'm going to pull it up. I have all this Map My Run app tracks everything. So um, that's how I keep track of my status. So, okay, 1,783 miles is what I ran in 2022. So I am at 17.32 for the year. So if I keep up my normal pace, I will beat my 2022 mileage and probably cross cross over the 1,800-mile mark for the first time. So I keep telling myself, you know, if I'm eating cookies and chocolates and all that stuff, as long as I get those last miles in for the year, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So um, it's a sunny day. It's actually going to be pretty nice today. I think the temperature is supposed to reach around 49. Now, speaking of running, last night after I left the office, I went for a run in a nearby neighborhood where I can 
run in the dark and it's not dangerous. And the temperature on my phone, it said it was supposed to be like 48. So that's how I packed my running clothes, like to, to be comfortable for a temperature of 48. And it was not 48. I got in my car outside the office and drove like a mile down the street. And my temperature in my car said it was 38. And when I got out of my car, it sure felt more like 38, which a 10 degree difference is significant for me. I hate the cold. So I got out of my car to run and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And like, I'm not dressed warm enough for this, but I did it. Um, and I, you know, I, I was comfortable. I, I warmed up pretty quickly and I was okay. But at the beginning, I, I was not happy about the temperature. Uh, so today, um, happy it's supposed to be 49. I hung a load of laundry before I left the house. And my daughter has a soccer game at Kutztown University this morning. So after I leave the station, that's where I'm going. This is not what I would call soccer weather, but if uh, today, if it actually does warm up to be um, in the, uh, you know, at least mid-40s by game time, that's not so bad. Um, at least it's not freezing temperatures. Tomorrow's game, I don't know if it's going to happen because it's supposed to rain. So we have another soggy Sunday uh, in store. Last week was a soggy Sunday, which meant my long run was on the treadmill, which is dreadful. Um, so enjoy this weather today. I think we might have a nice day. I think we might even be grilling dinner tonight because take advantage of these temp, you know more mild temperature days while we have them before winter really sets in um so anyway that's enough uh blabbing from me i'm gonna share some interesting information for you uh, with you about the market so if you're paying attention to the markets you're probably pretty happy um the dow jones hit a record high on wednesday and this past week was also the seventh straight positive week for all three of the major indices. So the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ have been up, uh, you know, ended on positive territory now for seven weeks in a row. So the Dow hit this record on Wednesday, and then the NASDAQ hit a high on Friday. Uh, the NASDAQ's previous high was November of 2021. So we have returned and surpassed uh, that level now two years later. So that's pretty cool. Now, the S&P is close to its high. It came within uh, like 2%. Um, so its record high still remains um, the value that it was on January 3rd of 2022. And then, of course, that was before 2022 turned sour. But I have an article here that I thought was pretty cool because there's a lot of people who are still, you know, nervous and unsure about what's going to happen in the market in the, in the coming year. I mean, who's not? Um, but we always look to historical data to kind of give us um, some uh, perspective, maybe some peace of mind. And it's really important to remember, of course, that past performance does not promise uh, future results. But um, it's interesting nonetheless. So. The S&P, like I said, it did come close to its record high uh, this week. But what it did do in November, uh, it went up 8.9%. And that's a pretty significant increase for one month. And this article states that um, usually when there's a monthly return of that significant, historically, that has meant that there are more gains to come. So... Since 1950, the S&P has gone up more than 8% in a month 
only 30 times. Okay, so that's a lot of years, a lot of months since the year 1950. If you look at every monthly increase in the S&P, it's only gone up more than 8% 30 of those months. So this 8.9% increase in November was pretty big. Okay, so now what happens after that? That's the the other part of this historical look back here. Um, 90% of the time after the S&P went up more than 8% in one month, the 12-month period following that, the S&P has been positive. So that means that for the next year after November's gain, 90% of the time that it you know, that it's been a positive year. So if, if history repeats itself, most likely the next year in the S&P 500 would be positive. Now, of course, we know it doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. There's lots of unique circumstances in the world right now. And, you know, every day, month, year is different than the last. But it's interesting. It's a pretty strong statistic, more than 90%. And the other stat about that um, annual return that follows a monthly increase so high um, since again since 1950 during the 12-month period following a monthly increase more than eight percent the S&P's average return was 15.8 percent so the, the historical data is promising but again whether or not we can uh, experience that expect to experience that this coming year I, I hope so that would be great um Again, every situation is unique, so it's not a reliable predictor of future returns, but it is still interesting. So the market has been strong uh, in the past week and a little you know, beyond because October um, data showed that inflation has slowed down, wage growth has slowed down, job creation has slowed down, and unemployment's gone up a bit. That stuff, well, except for the inflation part, kind of sounds bad. <laughs> But if you remember, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates over the last almost two years to do those things because the economy was running too hot, right? Inflation's too high, not sustainable. You know, it creates some problems. So they've been trying to achieve those effects without causing a recession. And the data is suggesting that it's now been working. And the other part of that is, oh, then maybe the Fed can stop raising interest rates. And when the Fed stops raising interest rates, that's a good thing for uh, companies' ability to grow, um, it, for borrowing costs for companies and for individuals. There's um, you know, a lot of reasons people don't want the Fed to keep raising interest rates. And they've told us this past week that they don't plan to. So um, that's why we've had... Uh, some better days in the market because it's a positive response to to that data. Now, there's another piece of information in this article that I want to share. So since 1982, the year I was born, the Fed has engaged in six rate hike cycles. And at the end of those six cycles, during the 12-month period following, the S&P's average return was 17.6%. So here we are. This is kind of interesting because we're here we're at we're the end of a Fed rate hike cycle, at least that's what we expect. We're also following a month of 8.9% increase in the S&P 500. 
And so that first stat I shared with you is the 12 months following that monthly increase, the average return in the S&P was 15.8% since 1950. And now this other stat says since 1982, the S&P's average annual return after a rate hike cycle is 17.6%. So, hey, if the S&P's return for the next 12 months is anywhere around 16% or so, maybe we won't be shocked because you'll say, hey, Alyssa told us that might happen. <laughs> so interesting stuff. I hope that wasn't too many uh, numbers, but uh, it's always fun to celebrate positive returns in the market. And Jean always says um, that makes Alyssa happy. So um, I like to be able to share good news with my clients, of course. And uh, that's definitely good news. So now here we are. I mentioned we're one show away from Christmas. Uh, that also means we're near the end of the calendar year, and that's the end of a tax year. Uh, so I have some stuff I wanted to talk about that might help you as you're um, thinking about, you know, oh boy, it's almost tax time. One of those things I should actually point out before I forget. If you were thinking you might want MTM to handle your income tax return for 2023, tell us as soon as you can. Um, I've had actually quite a number of clients over the last couple of weeks say, yeah, you know what? We would like to use your tax services too. So I've added a few people to the queue um, already just, you know, so far this month. And uh, the tax team is gearing up to um, be able to serve as many people as possible, but there are limits. And you've heard us talk um, the last couple of years about how we have to kind of cut off the number of new returns that they'll accept because there's a limited time to do all of that work. So if you want to be one of those lucky people who gets your tax return prepared by uh, the MTM Financial Group team, let us know now. Um, and that way you can be on the distribution list to receive what we call the super important tax email. And that super important tax email will tell you some things that you need to um, look for, gather, uh, think about. There's a questionnaire that the tax team asks you to complete that um, will help them identify what kinds of documents they should be getting from you, um, some things that they'll need to factor in when they're considering any you know, strategies or whatever they do their thing. The questionnaire is very helpful. Um, and then, of course, there's some basic information that we need. If, if you're not already an investment client, especially, um, we'll need to gather some data about you so that they have um, everything accurate uh, to do your return. So the other piece besides those kinds of basic checklist items is that it's really helpful for our tax team to have um, your last year or two tax returns. And that includes all the backup documentation. So not just the end result return, but all of the um, schedules and forms and, you know, 1099s and all that stuff that, that provided the data that got plugged into your tax return. If you can provide us with that info, they'll put it into the system and have historical information to reference when they're doing uh, this year's return. So that helps find, you know, if something's missing, if something's inconsistent, um, that kind of thing. So if you decide you're going to become a tax client and you, you email us and we get the basics from you and you get the tax email, you're going to be in good shape. But then we would also say at your convenience, if you can um, either submit through our uh, secure portal or drop off your packet of your uh, 
2022, and um, if you're feeling generous, even your 2021 tax return information, um, we'll get all that information in the system and then return those documents to you. You don't need to make copies and stuff. Um, just drop them off and we'll use it. So um, I didn't at, run that past the tax team that I was going to talk about that today, but <laughs> so I hope they don't mind. But um, I know that that super important tax email is probably right around the corner. And the, the sooner you're um, in the queue to get that, the better off everyone will be for this process. So um, I figure it probably made sense to remind you if you're thinking about it, um, get in the get in line now uh, so that you don't miss out on an opportunity. So yeah, it's coming up to the end of the tax year, and that means a couple things you need to do. Um, one of those is make sure you've taken your required minimum distribution. So if you um, had been taking RMDs in the past, that applies to you like it has every year, except, of course, when they waived the RMD for the pandemic. But that's back in effect, and that means this year you need to take your RMD. Uh, so IRAs, 401ks, you need to uh, ensure you take out at least the minimum amount and pay your tax. Um, so if you haven't done that, get on it. Uh, if you're not sure, uh, check <laughs> before it's too late. Um, and if you wanted to do um, Roth conversions, those have to happen by the end of the year. You can make contributions to Roth IRAs and uh traditional IRAs up until the tax filing deadline in April, but you have only till December 31st to do conversions, so you have a deadline there. Um, if you have an inherited IRA, also remember that those are subject to RMDs if the original owner of that IRA was already taking RMDs. And I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit more later because I had um, an interesting situation with a client this week that I wanted to share to kind of help some of you who might be confused. So remember that you have um, a couple weeks to get that stuff done, not a lot of time to get on it. And then I have some other things after the break um, we're going to talk about for 2023 tax uh, information that you should be looking at and thinking about before um, the 31st comes creeping up on us. But for now, we're going to go to our first break, and you can be our icebreaker phone call after the break if you call 833-707-7900, and I will be right back with you after this. Like that? I think I might be on fire. Can I be of service? When disaster strikes, when your awesome Christmas lights are just too much for your lousy electrical panel, one man will be by your side, fighting for truth, justice, and a hazard-free holiday. Well, aren't you a jolly, handsome little elf? I'm the H.L. Bowman Bowman. And did you know that the electrical experts at H.L. Bowman can replace or expand your old electrical panel? 
to keep your holiday display shining brightly. Without all the sparks and the burning smell? I believe that's his hair, madam. Do either of you have a fire extinguisher? Visit hlbowman.com. No one has a larger selection of holiday decor than Rob's Florist and Greenhouse. Over a thousand poinsettias, all grown in their own greenhouses, wreaths, cemetery logs, and more. Rob's Florist and Greenhouse, next to the fireworks store, 100 feet off the eastern exit from I-78. Thousands of stores across the country are pulling brand-name cold and allergy products off the shelves. Why? Because an FDA advisory panel recently determined that a drug they contain, oral phenylephrine, is ineffective as a nasal decongestant. Navage offers a drug-free solution that's fast and highly effective at relieving nasal congestion caused by colds and allergies. Navage uses suction to pull saline in one nostril, around the back of the nose, and out of the other nostril to help suck out allergens, mucus, and germs. Nasal irrigation works, and Navage makes it quick and easy, but more than anything, it helps you breathe better. Don't waste your time or money on products that are ineffective. Trust drug-free Navage for fast relief to help you breathe easier, sleep better, and feel healthier. Ask for Navage at Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, Target, or find us online at Navage.com. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. iHeartRadio is your number one app for the holidays. Just open the app and search iHeartHoliday and start listening now. You'll see your local holiday radio station, plus all kinds of other holiday stations, playlists, and podcasts. iHeartRadio, free, never sounded so good. Find Busy Hard Seltzer near you. Distributed locally by Banco Beverage. DLP, Capital Partners Time, 833. Fox News, I'm Chris DeMeo. A jury has awarded $148 million in damages to two former Georgia election workers who sued Rudy Giuliani for defamation over lies he spread about them in 2020. One of the election workers is Shea Moss. I spent 10 years as an election worker in Fulton County, Georgia. The lies Rudy Giuliani told about me and my mommy after the 2020 presidential election have changed our lives. And the past few years has been devastating. Giuliani says he'll appeal. We now know the cause of a, the death of a beloved star on Friends. 54-year-old Matthew Perry died from acute effects of ketamine. It says he had been receiving ketamine infusion therapy for depression and anxiety. Fox's Christina Coleman, Perry found in a hot tub in his home back in October. America's listening to Fox News. The following is a paid-for advertisement. Take us along, no matter where you're headed. Open up our free iHeartRadio app and follow WAEB on iHeartRadio. Use Radio 790 WAEB. Thank you for that, Archie. Welcome back to More Than Money. I hope you're all having a lovely morning. The sun is shining. Um, You're stuck with me today. Uh, If you missed the first segment of the top of the hour here, um, Gene is with his family in West Virginia celebrating Dr. Alyssa's wonderful accomplishment. She will receive her Ph.D. today in a graduation ceremony down in West Virginia University. So I'm happy that the family is all together 
and um, we pray for their safe return home, um, but not too soon. First, they have lots of fun stuff to do and enjoy their time together. So um, you've got me today, and I hope you'll call and join me and Archie. Um, John, I don't know, did John go with Jean, maybe? Maybe maybe John wanted also to see uh, Alyssa receive her uh, Ph.D. diploma, so... Uh, we'll just say that's where he is. Um, so you can call 833-707-7900 or send me an email, Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com and share your question and chat with me, you know, kill some time, whatever. Uh, I would be happy to have um, you part of the show. Um, I Oh, I was going to say, do not use the Ask Gene button on the website because... I won't get that. Gene's <laughs> not here to receive uh, those emails, so you'll have to use my email address or the phone number if you have a question that you would like to hear addressed this morning. Um, before the break, I was talking about preparing for the 2023 tax return um, season, and I said that if you wanted to get on the list for the MTM tax department to handle your tax prep for the coming year that you should let us know as soon as possible if you're not already, you know, a tax client. Um, I fortunately found out that I was, it was a good thing that I shared that. Um, Sue from our tax team said, that's going to be very helpful. I said, good, I'd hoped so because I didn't ask you first if you wanted me to promote that. She says that the super important email should go out this week. So keep an eye out for that. And remember to check your spam folder. We've talked about this in the past. Um, hopefully that email will come through to your inbox. But if you don't see it and you're expecting it, check your spam folder. That's a good habit to get into anyway. Um, if you need more information or you need hard copies of the forms that will be attached to that super important tax email, you can send an email to us to request that. And um, Stephanie, who is our paper wrangler, she will mail you the actual forms you need. Um, the email address to use to request that is taxes at askmtm.com. So that is our public uh, service announcement when it comes to uh, 2023 tax prep. Now, I mentioned before the break, too, that I had some other information for you to think about and some stuff to look for. So it's interesting to me, um, a, a lot of people who've had investment accounts for a long time um, don't necessarily understand how how they're taxed. And I got reminded of that this week when I sat down with some clients of mine uh, whose accounts I manage and they have a mixture of uh, Roth IRA, inherited IRA, uh, simple IRA, and brokerage accounts. And this particular client, you know, the bulk of their investments are here with, with me to manage for them and, and help them with. But he has like a play account, he calls it, um, where he's bought some individual stocks, just a smaller amount of money that he enjoys it. And a lot of people do. And that's great. And he has some um, appreciation, those, you know, stocks that have done well this year that have gone up in value, maybe even longer than this year. And... Um, he was talking about taking out his profits and didn't understand that if he sells those stocks, that means he's realizing a capital gain and he will owe tax on that even if he doesn't take the money out of the account. I think a lot of people are under the uh, false impression that you don't owe tax on any money from investment accounts unless you withdraw it. 
But in a taxable brokerage account, your earnings and your gains are taxable on an annual basis. So if you sell a stock and realize a gain, so you've locked in profits, uh, cashed out profits, however you want to describe that, and or if your investments in that brokerage account have earned interest and dividends that have been paid in, even if they're reinvested, they've been earned during the year, those are all taxed the year that they were received or you know earned inside of the account. It doesn't matter if you didn't take them out. So you'll receive a 1099 like you do for the interest, the measly couple of cents of interest that you earn on your bank account. Like you're used to that, right? Your bank sends you a statement that says you earned three cents in interest last year and you owe tax on that. So the same thing happens with your brokerage account, except hopefully it's more than three cents, particularly this year with interest rates being where they've been, you know, money market funds earning 5.2%, CDs earning 5.5%. You're going to have more taxable interest this year. Um, So you'll receive a statement that will report that, that you'll have to put on your tax return and make sure that you um, have paid the tax on that. So uh, I wanted to clarify that. And then the other piece of that is that when you have a taxable account, uh, we I mentioned dividends and interest already, but even if you didn't sell uh, s- securities that have appreciated in value and locked in gains, a lot of mutual funds and some exchange-traded funds actually pay capital gains distributions at the end of the year. Some of them wait until December. So right around now, maybe even yet this year, um, you will see an influx in you know in your account, a, basically a distribution, a deposit, if you will, of capital gains from your funds that you're invested in, and that will be taxable. So it's a good uh, thing to be aware of that. Look for it so you're not surprised. Um, those distributions are taxed at long-term capital gains tax rate, so that is a lower rate than an income tax rate, uh, which you pay on earnings, uh, IRA distributions, um, uh, capital gains in um, uh, annuities um, are taxed as, as ordinary tax, that higher income tax rate, but capital gains taxes are lower. So some people pay 0%, uh, 15%, I guess I would think it's fair to say the majority of people, maybe average, uh, fall into that 15% long-term capital gains tax rate. And then um, it does go up when you have a very high level of income. Um, So anyway, be aware that if you own mutual funds, exchange-traded funds that send out capital gains, so those funds realized gains, they made sales within their investments and they have to share those gains with the shareholders. So you're going to see them come in to your account and it will be taxable. So if you want to be aware of that, there's kind of two re- two reasons to be monitoring, I guess, for it. One is you'll also you might also see that the net asset value of that fund has come down. So you have a mutual fund and the share price is $100 and then they send out a capital gains distribution and now it's I don't know, $92. Just as an example, it's now worth, it looks like every share is worth less. Well, that's because the asset value or share price, if you will, is reduced to account for the fact that you earned 
the this money they paid out to you. So your total return is unaffected. Um, they just need to make an adjustment to to the to the price of each share to reflect that you've also received this kind of cash infusion, if you will. So um, that's one thing. If you don't get you know like worried if you have a fund that sends out a capital gain distribution and then you see that it's dropped in price, well, uh, your total return is still the same. You haven't like lost money. Um, the other thing that you might want to be looking at those if you're concerned about the tax on the capital gains. Um, there are for any number of reasons. You can offset that tax liability if you have any securities that are at a loss and you want to sell them before the end of the year to offset the gain. So if you see that, oh, you know, I'd have taxable capital gains of, you know, I don't know, $1,000, and then you say, oh, well, look at this uh, stock I bought that is worth $1,000 less than when I you know, when I bought it, if you sell that and you have a a loss of a thousand and you had a distribution or gain of a thousand, you're net zero and you don't owe any tax on on that the gain that you received. So that's called tax loss harvesting. And if you f- might find that to be helpful to you for your tax situation, um, the, the, you have the option, you know, to do that and you still have some time to do that. And again, like I said earlier, you don't need to take the money out of your account in order for that effect to happen. Uh, you just need to realize the gain or the loss, which means you you sell. Um, you cannot rebuy the same security or something very similar to it within 30 days and still claim the loss, though. And that's called a wash sale. So um, let's say, you know, you, you're like, oh, let me take this $1,000 loss so I don't owe tax on that $1,000 gain I made somewhere else. And then you just rebuy the same investment. Uh, the IRS says, no, sorry, nice try. Um, you have to wait at least a month before you would reinvest in that. Otherwise, you can't claim you can't claim the loss. OK, so um, I hope that's helpful. If you have questions about it, you can email me. Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com. And one other thought, too, I'm, I'm working with someone about um, spreading out capital gains. So when you're working on your investments at the end of the year, you have this flexibility where you can do things over two different tax years. So if you have a lot of capital gains that you do want to realize, and in the example I'm talking about, um, a man who is, you know, up in, in age now and has a portfolio of stocks, individual stocks, and there's a lot of risk there and a lot of volatility, and he's got a ton of capital gains because he's held them for a long time. They've done well, but he doesn't want to hold individual stocks anymore. He's at a point in his life now where all he wants to do is make sure he's got the income that he needs, he doesn't want to deal with the volatility and the risk. He wants to sell those stocks. It's a huge capital gain. And so what we're doing is strategizing how to break that up over two different tax years because you have limits on income that affect Medicare premiums, affect the type of taxes that you pay. Like when you're really up there in in the income, there's um, net investment income and um, alternative minimum tax and all these additional things that the government hits you with. So if you sell it all at once, it could have some negative 
repercussions. But if we plan it out where we sell in 2023 and then you only have to wait a couple of weeks and sell the rest in 2024, we can free up uh, the cash from those stock investments and do something different with it. In his case, he's interested in an annuity that's just going to pay him what he wants and you won't have to worry about it anymore. But we just have to be careful. So you have that opportunity right now if you're looking at, geez, I really wanted to get rid of this and do something else with this money, but I don't want to sell it all at once because it might push me above the income limits for the Medicare premium, and I might have to pay a penalty, the surcharge, IRMA. That's when you have to pay more for Medicare for a year because your income is too high. If you're trying to avoid something like that or trying to avoid being in a higher tax bracket, you can split it up. So you've got December and then you can do the rest in January and you've got um, two different tax years. So now I'm not a tax expert. We have a tax team. um, And as an advisor, I'm blessed to be able to work with them to to strategize this stuff. So that's what we do when we have opportunities like that. We'll break it up over, um, you know, a couple years or figure out your limits. I work with the tax team to do that. So I just wanted to point out now while we're closing in on the end of the year that you might have um, a chance to take advantage of that timing. Um, So a couple of things to think about. I don't like, you know, taxes is it's kind of something people mostly don't like to talk about. But when you have some time to maybe take advantage of opportunities, it's a, a good thing to do. So um, we have also some updates for you when it comes to taxes that apply to next year, which is right around the corner. The IRS has updated um, some of the numbers that it uses every year to determine um, how much tax you owe, how much you can contribute to accounts, uh, all that good stuff. So I have some updates for you, but I think first we have a phone call. So before I get into that, we're going to welcome Gary to the show. Gary is our icebreaker call this morning. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Hey, I had a qu- oh, thank you for your help. Sure. Uh, I listen to you all, all the time. We appreciate that. How can I help you today? I, yeah, I was wondering, you know, uh, Pennsylvania doesn't tax Social Security or uh, pension income and things like that, or IRA income. What if you convert from a uh, IRA uh, to, a, to a Roth? Roth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is not taxable by Pennsylvania either. That's not taxable either. Okay. Right. So, yeah, so your um, IRA distributions um, are not are not taxable at the state level. So, um, yeah, that's something that you can um, kind of plan for. And I, I told the tax team, if I say anything wrong today, that they should correct me. Um, <laughs> because you're never wrong. Uh, that's not true. Um, <laughs> that's not true. So yeah, it is one of those things where um, we're lucky that we have a little bit of a break from the state tax when um, you're talking about retirement income. So yeah, right. that's that's why that's why I was wondering because uh, you know it's it it's still coming from the IRA as if it's to you. So what's the difference if you convert it or not? But I wasn't sure. Yeah. Well, I'm going to confirm that information with um, our tax team, Gary. And then if I am um, wrong about that, we will clarify it. But it's a good question. Um, A lot of people talking about about Roth conversions. And it's one of those things that um, 
it, it's a tr- it's tricky. It, some people they're sure they want to do it, and some people it's not really clear whether it's a an advantage to you or not, right? So, <laughs> one of the things definitely yeah. to think about is will there be state tax on that to consider? So I will uh, confirm that answer for you momentarily. So please stay tuned um, because I don't want to okay. be okay. Well, yeah, wrong. I got another hour to go. <laughs> yep. Thanks for calling, Gary. I appreciate it. You have a good Thanks day. For you. you bet. You God bless. All right. So speaking of um, IRAs. Um, the IRS has set some new thresholds for contributions and stuff for 2024. And the reason they do that is um, inflation. They have to kind of index things. So we're making more money, um, things cost more, interest rates higher, et cetera. Um, they, if they kept everything the same as it always was, it wouldn't really um, be appropriate. So the new limits for contributions to 401ks, 403bs, 457s, in other words, qualified retirement plans, um, they have gone up $500. So in 2024, the maximum you can contribute if you're under 50 years old is $23,000 next year. So it went up $500 to $23,000. And then the catch-up contribution is the same. The catch-up contribution is the amount you can also contribute if you're older than 50. So if you're older than 50, you have another $7,500 that you're allowed to contribute. So that total will be $30,500. So when people say I'm maxing out my 401k, that's the number we're really talking about. Some people, I think, mistakenly think Maxing out your 401k means you're adding as much as your employer match. So like if your employer will match 3%, you are putting in 3% and you're maxing out. You're maxing out your match, but you're not maxing out the contribution you can make. So if you wanted to save as much as you're allowed into your qualified retirement plan, the numbers for 2024 are 23000 if you're under 50 and 30500 if you are over 50. Similarly, the IRS has increased the limit on IRA contributions. So that limit is now $7,000 for um, 2024. So it went up $500. And you can add another $500 if you are are over 50. I want to confirm that, actually. Hold on a second. Too many numbers in my brain. This is the problem. So I want to confirm because I'm, th- I'm second guessing myself now. Be if uh, the catch-up contribution on IRA is a thousand, or if it's five hundred, it's a thousand. I, I knew I was wrong there. Okay, so you'll be allowed to add seven thousand dollars if you're under fifty, and eight thousand dollars if you're over fifty. Okay, so that's for 2024 for IRAs and Roth IRAs. The other thing they changed about IRAs is your income range limits. So you're only eligible to add money to an IRA and get a a tax deduction for it if you make, uh, if you have an employer plan too, like a 401k, and you make under um, a certain amount of money. So for example, if you're a single taxpayer um, in 2024, once you reach income of $77,000, it starts to phase out how much of that IRA contribution you can deduct from your taxable income. And then once you're at $87,000, you can't deduct any of it. So that went up um, by like $4,000 for 
this year. So that's another thing they indexed. Um, they've also indexed the um, federal income tax brackets by 5.4%. So they didn't change the tax rates, but they changed the income limits for each tax bracket. So, for example, um, if you're a single taxpayer, your um, 10% tax bracket now goes up to $11,600 in income. And for married people, that limit is now 23200 And then once you're over that, you're at the 12% tax bracket. And all of the tax brackets did go up about 5.4%. So keep that in mind if you are on the bubble. Um, and I did just get confirmation that um, in Pennsylvania, your Roth conversions are not taxable. So, uh, Gary, I was right, and um, that's good news, very good news. So, um, yep, you can plan accordingly. <laughs> um, and let me see, what else I want to share with you about these um, tax changes? Um, the top of the 12% tax bracket for a married filing jointly um, is now um, goes up to 94300 uh, and then one other thing um, on that topic that I'll share with you is the standard deduction also went up. So if you're a single tax filer, you now have a, a standard deduction in 2024 of 14600 And if you're married filing jointly, it goes up to 29200 And if you're over 65, you get to add another $1,550 to that deduction. So... A lot of numbers don't mean to overwhelm you with numbers, but it's important to know about the changes. And you can look them up. Um, the IRS just announced them. And again, these are applicable for the 2024 tax year. So we're still now in that time frame of wrapping up 2023 taxes. So the numbers that are going to apply for the return you're doing now have not changed. But if you're planning things for next year, just be aware that um, tax bracket income income levels for the tax brackets changed, contribution limits changed, standard deduction changed, and um, if you need help with that, you can call us. Okay, we're going to go to the phone. We have two minutes left, so we'll get the question in before um, the break. We're going to welcome Bernie to the show. Good morning, Bernie. How can I serve you this morning? Well, my question is, and it should be short, uh, does it make sense for somebody without any heirs to, to use charitable gift and new? Do they make sense? Char- do charitable gift annuities make sense for somebody without any heirs. Okay, great. Thank you for that question. I will um, we'll let you go. I'll, I'll try to address it now, and then if we run out of time, we'll continue after the break. Thank you for calling. I, I can hang up? Yes, you can. You can just okay, tune in. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Lisa. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so that's a great question. If you plan on um, giving to um, a, a charity, a charitable gift annuity is a way that you can um turn over your assets to a charity and um, there's a couple of different ways you can structure them but you could actually still collect um, the income from them that you need while you're alive um, and um, it, it kind of helps take money out of your estate in advance. We'll talk a little bit more about it after the break. So the, the question is a good one. There's lots of different ways that you can use on charitable giving to reduce tax liability and the size of your estate so that inheritance tax isn't a problem. So we'll talk more about it in just a few moments, and you can get in line here to join us if you call 833-707-7900. We'll be right back.
the Don Wenner team, brokered by EXP Realty, wants to buy your house. They'll make you a good, solid offer on that house. One that you say, hey, I love that. I take it. And then they give you another $5,000. The $5,000 bonus when you sell your house to the Don Wenner team, brokered by EXP Realty. Don Wenner and his team are the number one real estate agents for sales in all of Pennsylvania and all of New Jersey 10 years in a row. So if you want to sell your house, list it with Don Wenner. But he'd also just like to buy your house. And they buy it as is, and you pay no closing costs, no commissions. You get a good, solid offer and the $5,000 bonus. Get the $5,000 bonus when you sell your house to the Don Wenner team, brokered by EXP Realty. Find out more, dlpsold.com or 484-366-1213. That's 484-366-1213 or find out more at dlpsold.com. Updated Lehigh Valley forecast from the National Weather Service. A mix of sun and clouds for today and 52. Mostly cloudy tonight, 36. Tomorrow, cloudy with periods of rain. Heavy rain in the afternoon. Tomorrow's high, 53. DLP Capital Partners temperature, 40. The following is a paid-for advertisement. From the Rescue Healthline Studios, News Radio 790 WAEB. The Lehigh Valley's news, traffic, and weather. An iHeart Radio station. rock it out right Archie <laughs> we love our music so welcome back to more of the money this is your host today Alyssa Young um, Gene is with his family celebrating Dr. Alyssa's PhD um, so I am here with you this morning hopefully sharing some information that will be helpful and interesting we covered a lot during the first hour and I'll kind of recap that later but first um, we had a call right before the break uh, Bernie called and um, her question was about using uh, IRA money for um, a charitable gift annuity and I didn't really have time to get into that so I just want to touch on that for a moment because they are something um, to be honest we don't I don't deal with a whole lot and I don't think my my team does a whole lot but I'm aware of them I learned about them um, and I think it's something that uh, can be very helpful for people in the right uh, scenario so I just wanted to touch a little bit on how it works and her question was is it a good idea if you don't have um, heirs, you know, maybe you don't have children you're, you're planning on leaving your money to. Um, so it can be a good idea because you can support your uh, charity that is important to you and it helps you tax wise. And the way that works is you can take up to $50,000 um, to contribute to, to this um, once in a lifetime. So you can only do it once. And it will be a tax-free distribution from your IRA, which is otherwise taxed as, as income federally. Um, and then what you can do is actually receive an income stream from that money. And then that is taxed um, as you receive it you know, on an annual basis. So while you're still alive. So that money can still support you, um, your, your cash flow needs while you're still alive. Um, but then the... It's left to the charity, you know, they get they get to keep 
the the principle. So I'm leaving out a ton of detail. They are compl- complex. And if someone, you know, if Bernie were to say, I want to meet with you and talk about doing this, I'd have to do more research. It's not something I deal with every day. Um, it's not something a lot of people take advantage of. But that's the gist of it. And so it, the question, is it a good idea to do it? It's certainly um, a nice uh, thing to consider. And of course, we would look more specifically at your situation to make sure it makes sense. But I like the fact that um, it can be a tax advantage thing uh, for you and you're not really giving up complete access to the funds because you can receive uh, income from it while you're alive. So it's not like it's you're giving away your money and then not knowing if you're still going to need it and then you run out of money. You know what I mean? It, it, it allows you some flexibility there. So it is an interesting concept. And if that perks your you know, interest, it's something to look into and you can work with an advisor to figure out exactly the mechanics and um, whether it's a good fit. So I thank Bernie for that call. It's not something that comes up a lot on the show either. So it might be new information for you listeners. Um, So I'm going to go back to the phones now. We have another call from Bill. Um, Good morning, Bill. Thank you for holding. How can I serve you this morning? Hey, uh, great job, Solo, on the call. Uh, You know, Gene better watch himself or he'll become a redundancy here. (laughs) Thanks, Bill. Uh, Yeah, I'll make sure he hears that. (laughs) <laughs> well hey, uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna kind of springboard off of some of the earlier callers. Uh, you were talking about IRAs and uh, traditional IRA limit of uh, for someone over 50, which includes me, mm-hmm. of 7,500. Um, I'm a self-employed uh, 1099 consultant, and I have a, a SEP mm-hmm. IRA. Uh, what is the the ceiling on that for tax year 23 uh, the ceiling on how much you can add to your sep yeah yeah how much how much can i put aside in that sep good question and that is not a number that i have memorized but i am looking to see if my handy cheat sheet tells me that so i'm looking at a at a website here that says um it, it goes back to 22. Okay. And they said 25% of your net up to 61K for 22. Um, I don't see any numbers for 23. Probably if I dug further. Yeah. Um, so the chart, similar. the chart that I'm looking at suggests that that number might be 66,000 in 2023. But let me look something up real quick. Yeah, these numbers, it's hard to memorize, especially because they change all the time, right? Uh, yeah, 66,000 yeah. is sixty-six thousand is the limit for 2023 for SEP contributions. Okay. All and right. that well, will go up for 2024 as also, Bill. It will go up to 68,000 next year. Okay. All right. All right. Good deal. That's, it's a little too rich for my blood, but... Well, yeah, you do what you can, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Thanks for the call. Right, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank Have you a good weekend. Right. Bye-bye. All right. See, we're doing okay here. We're doing all right without Gene, and that's why I have this handy chi There's a lot of numbers on here. Um, speaking of numbers, there's a couple other things um, I wanted to update you on. I think we talked once... Last time, it might have been last time I was on the show solo, the cost of living adjustment for Social Security for next year is 3.2%. And the Medicare Part B premium also goes up by 10 bucks a month to $174. Um, So those are some things to be aware of as well. Um, 
I came across, and actually, let me correct myself. My colleague, Mark, came across an interesting article uh, that he shared with me because he thought it might be a nice topic for me to discuss on the radio today. So thank you, Mark, for your help. And it's also something that we kind of talk about sometimes uh, in, in the office on a regular basis because at MTM Financial Group, I am surrounded by wonderful, experienced financial advisors. We work together as a team very well. And I'm the only woman in the group. And so sometimes we talk about how that's possibly an opportunity and an advantage for some folks in our uh, MTM family and in the community who are looking for an advisor. Sometimes they would prefer to work with a woman or someone like them. And so, it, you know, it it's... It's something that kind of comes up once in a while, and Mark shares these things with me. Um, and this article, it was interesting. Uh, two, actually, I have two articles. They're both related to women and finances. Um, there was a 2023 Fidelity Investments survey, and it asked like men and women their number one word for their financial feelings. Like if you had to describe your financial feeling, what is the word you would use? So men use the word hopeful. And women used the word stress. Oh, that kind of stinks. Um, and part of the reason for that, and I've read this many times, might not be a big surprise to you, but in our society, uh, it's true that it's often the woman who spends more of her time caring for the family, whether it's her children, even her husband, um, elderly parents, and other you know other extended family members. So. Um, it's often the, the woman who's taking time off of work to raise children. I mean, even just having maternity leave to, for starters. But if you stay home with your kids when they're young, um, if you leave work early to care for an elderly parent, it most more often it's falling to a woman to do that. So what that means is when it comes time to retire, women often have less money than men, yet they have a longer life expectancy and therefore higher health care costs. Um, so it's a tricky situation to be in. So this article is talking about steps you can take to sort of mitigate the, the risks and the uh, issues around that. So if you're a woman who's looking to retire and you're saying, I really don't feel like I have um, enough or you don't want to be in that position when you do retire and feel like that stress that you don't have enough. It just talks about a step by step approach. And again, this isn't earth shattering stuff, but it's always good to have a reminder. So the first thing it says for step number one is to pay off debt. And that's particularly high interest debt. So credit card debt, high interest loans, maybe like if you have a home equity loan that has an adjustable rate that has gone up. You're, if you're paying a lot of money in interest on these loans, it's costing you more money Um some oftentimes, especially when you're talking about credit cards, it's costing you more money than your money could be earning if it was in the bank or in an investment. So paying off debt is a really great step to kind of get yourself back to neutral is the way they describe this in this article. So um, kind of level the playing field there where you're not shelling out extra dollars um, on your debt payment. And then next step is to establish an emergency fund. So even before you're talking about saving specifically for retirement, the first thing you need to do is make sure you have some money in the bank. And this is money in the bank, like not at risk, not tied up in investments, just accessible, liquid cash. Um, enough that could pay three to six months of your regular spending. So a couple of reasons for that. If you were to lose your job and not have a paycheck and you still wanted to be able to live, 
you know, like pay your rent or your mortgage, buy food, you know, keep the heat on. You need money in the bank that will be able to pay for those things if your paycheck's not coming into the into the bank. So three to six months worth of regular uh, expenses in your emergency fund. The other reason for that, there's always these unexpected things that pop up in life. The uh, water heater breaks. Uh, there's um, a problem with your car. Those kind of big ticket items, the washing machine, you know, doesn't work anymore, whatever. Things that you need um, to, to remedy and they can cost $1,000 or more and you're like, Ooh, you know, do you have money to just pay for it or do you need to take out a loan? And then we go back to question number one or point number one where if you need an expensive loan or you put it on a credit card and you can't pay it off, it ends up costing you even more. So to be able to avoid um, those expensive uh, borrowing, you know, problems, um, having an emergency fund to handle those unexpected expenses is a really great safeguard. So pay off the debt first, establish an emergency fund second, and then you can turn to those long-term goals. And that's when putting money into a retirement fund and then maybe even another long-term goal. And I have a young client, and this is an example, she's done a really great job of starting her retirement funding at a young age, but she also has another goal of, I would like to be a homeowner someday. So um, that's a different time frame for that goal. It's a different type of an investment account. It's not a retirement account because she wants to be able to access it maybe when she's 32, not wait till she's 59 and a half. So uh, funding those kinds of things comes comes next. Um, and you can kind of split it up. You know, you put some away for retirement and some into your future house fund or whatever uh, your goal might be. So the ultimate goal, you know, general rule of thumb. And again, everything's different for lots of people. But 20, putting away 20 percent of what you earn, saving 20 percent is a really great place to be. But you might not be able to do that right away, especially if you're just starting out, your salary's low. You know, maybe you just got back into the workforce and your salary's on the lower end and you're like, I need this money for my bills. I don't have 20% extra. Well, start you know, ramping it up one to two percent a year and you'll you'll get there. And then the other piece of this is to revisit your expenses. So you might say that you're limited on what you can save or invest by your earnings, but the other piece of that equation is how much you're spending. If you can reduce your spending, you'll have more money left to save. So take a look at what you're, you're shelling out every every month, like on a regular month, and a good way to do that, an easy way to do that might be, um, I mean, you could just keep track. You can keep your receipts. You can write it down. You can make a spreadsheet. Um, but if you wanted to kind of get a good, like at a glance, um, idea, you can look at your bank statement, your credit card bill, review that on a regular basis and see what you're buying, where your money's going. If you're going out to eat a lot, going out for drinks a lot, um, buying stuff, subscriptions, monthly subscriptions, those can sneak up, add up really quick, especially when you start with the, you know, three months free and then it starts automatically charging your credit card after that. And then you're like, oh, I never really even watch that streaming service or I never even read that, you know, online subscription. Start start trimming those things and then that money can go into your savings goals instead. Um, now, part two of this um, women in finance uh, article discussion I wanted to have, um, that sounds kind of, you know, unfortunate, like, oh, women might have less money than they need and 
saving for the future might be a challenge. But there's also this article that says women are actually expected to inherit $68 trillion from baby boomers um, that will be passing down their legacy. So a, a ton of this wealth is going to come into to women's hands. And it's especially helpful when you think about what we just talked. They, they earn less. Uh, women have most of the time worked less in their lifetime than men, live an average of five years longer than men. But if you're going to inherit money, you can use this as a tool to kind of help you bridge that gap. And this article, was the timing that this was published was interesting for me because I actually have a couple of very recent examples of clients that um, have inherited IRAs from uh, parents that we just had discussions like um, literally within the last two weeks or so um, about how they can use them to help with their uh, you know cash flow needs so just give you one example to start um, I have a client who's um, recently retired who um, is trying to delay her starting her social security she wants it to grow but when we had our, our last quarterly review she said, I'm a little, it's a little tight. Things are a little tight. She's got a part-time job um, that's real flexible. She doesn't mind doing that. Um, a small, very small pension. And so her most, most of her monthly needs are covered by that cash flow. And so she's not taking regular distributions from her accounts yet. You know, she had um, a 401k that we're managing now and an IRA. And, and, and her Social Security is still out there. It's like, should I start it? And she's in her early 60s. So we were looking at this, uh, her situation, and I said, well, you know, this inherited IRA that you have, uh, she inherited it, I think it was the beginning of 2022. Um, I said, you need to empty this account in 10 years. So that's the new rule uh, for an inherited IRA if it's not inherited by a spouse or or what's called an eligible designated beneficiary. So for most people, the 10-year rule applies if you're not married to the person who owned the IRA originally. And that means you've got to have all the money out of there in 10 years. And last year and this year, she had you know kind of just approached it as taking at least the required minimum distribution from that inherited IRA. Well, I pointed out to her we can rely on this money to supplement your income because it's got to come out of here anyway. So rather than starting your Social Security, let's use this. You can let your Social Security grow and we'll create an income stream from this account. So we talked about how much do you need and we set it up. And I can pivot the investments a little bit in a way to kind of produce more of the income and set up monthly withdrawals. And it's like it created sort of a, you know, paycheck or a cash flow. Um, so that was great. Like, hey, let's use our assets to our advantage. And that's a way an inherited IRA can work for you. The other example is actually a couple who um, the wife's not working and her husband's working and would like to retire early. And they have an inherited IRA. Uh, she, the, the wife has an inherited IRA. And um, I explained to her that they can take out the minimum amount now while her husband's still working so that they're not, they don't need the income right now. Uh, they don't want to pay extra taxes, right? But um, if her, her husband retires early within that 10-year period, then we can shift and start taking out 
in at the end of the 10-year uh, distribution period, a larger amount from the inherited IRA that will essentially replace his income. And then that way, um, it's like, you you know, you again, he might be able to delay Social Security and he can confidently retire and know that they'll have enough to pay the bills because they can use that asset. And so it's kind of a matter of spacing out the distributions in a way that, Again, it gives you the advantage of, of delaying your Social Security. It, it kind of manages your tax um, burden to kind of keep it even rather than having like a, you know, a huge um, increase in taxable income. So inherited IRAs can be a really great tool. And this article that I was reading that says that women are set to inherit a lot of money in the coming years, um, they might want to work with someone to strategize the best way to do that and to use it to their advantage because there's different opportunities and different rules and that you need to follow. And just one more point on that. I did have a phone call with my client to an annuity company. Uh, she, The woman I was just talking about who, whose husband wants to retire early, the IRA, the, uh, IRA that she inherited is actually in an annuity. And the 10-year rule applies. And when we called the annuity company, they incorrectly told us that she didn't need to take out any money every year. She just needs to empty it in 10 years. And uh, Secure Act 2.0 clarified that if the original owner of the IRA was already taking RMDs, which in her case her stepmother was, you need to continue that as well. And the annuity company didn't know that. So just a warning, I had told the person on the phone that's actually incorrect. She does need to take out RMDs. Um, and so we'll handle it and make sure we're following the rules, even though they didn't know the rules. Uh, so be aware that the confusion with the changes in the tax laws um, extends not just to, to lay people, but also to the people who are supposed to know these rules. Uh, there's still some confusion out there. So, um, okay, I'm going to go to the phones now. We have another call, this one from Dave. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Thank you for having the program. Hey, here's my question. I'm age 77, working full-time. I have a 403B that I individually contribute to, and my company contributes to it also. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do I have to withdraw from my account? Uh, how do you do it, and by when do you have to make the required withdrawal? Okay, so if you're still working and contributing to it, you're not required to take anything out. So because, ah. yeah, because it's your employer plan, while you're right. still working and contributing, RMDs do not apply. So that's good news for you. If you don't, you don't need to take distributions, you can keep adding to the account and let it in there to grow. Now, when you retire, and you, so you're not working and you're not contributing anymore, uh, you are past the age where those required minimum distributions would have started. So when you retire and the year you retire... You will be required to take that out. And the way that that will be calculated is it's going to be the balance of the account on December 31st of the previous year. And then it's determined by your age. So there's they call a life expectancy table the IRS uses, and it will divide that balance by a factor based on your age. And that will set a dollar amount that you'll need to withdraw from the account that year. And every year it changes based on the balance on December 31st of the previous year and your age. 
So if I retire at age 78, mm-hmm. what effect will that have for me? Well, will I have to pay it all back at one time? Almost because I believe that's probably I probably beyond the average retire uh, life expectancy age. Um, no, so it'll be a, a still, still like a modest rate. The way that the the distribution rates are calculated, the IRS still they want their tax money, but they still want your money to last you. Um, you know, for your lifetime. So when you start RNDs, which currently begin around the age of 73, the rate that you have to take out is around 4%. So it's a relatively small amount of your account. And then that in percentage goes up a little bit every year. So if you're 78, you're not that far into the life expectancy table where I don't, I'm just going to take a guess that it's going to be closer to 5%. I, I do not know the life expectancy table numbers by heart, but it, the the fact is it'll just be a, a relatively modest portion of your account that you'll need to take out. And the goal is honestly that if it's invested well, um, it, it, those funds actually could be replenished in the following year by growth and, and, and income in the investments. So you're not going to be depleting it at a very rapid rate. Does that make sense? It does. And I appreciate your answers. And thank you. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You too. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. All right. So we've had lots of great calls. And we have another segment coming up after this break. So you can join the show uh, at 833-707-7900 or send me an email, Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, at askmtm.com. I'll check my email during this break because I think a few of you have reached out to me. And I'll share those emails when we come back. Well, you have another 20-some minutes left where you can join the show, so I hope that you will. And we'll be right back after this. Thank you. I'll hold your hands, they're just like My ice. mother will start to Beautiful, what's your heart? My father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace so roar. Really I'd better Beautiful, please don't hurry. Maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I Neighbors pour. Might Baby, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this No dream? cabs to be had out there. I wish I knew Your how eyes are like starlight now. Okay, honey, plug in the lights. Plugging. Unplug it, unplug it, unplug it again. Is the Santa Claus supposed to make sparks like that? I think I might be on fire. Can I be of service? The when disaster strikes, when your awesome Christmas lights are just too much for your lousy electrical panel, one man will be by your side, fighting for truth, justice, and a hazard-free holiday. Well, aren't you a jolly, handsome little elf? I'm the H.L. Bowman Bowman. And did you know that the electrical experts at H.L. Bowman can replace or expand your old electrical panel to keep your holiday display shining brightly? Without all the sparks and the burning smell? I believe that's his hair, madam. Do either of you have a fire extinguisher? The H.L. Bowman Bowman. Visit hlbowman.com. No one has a larger selection of holiday decor than Rob's Florist and Greenhouse. Over a thousand poinsettias, all grown in their own greenhouses, wreaths, cemetery logs, and more. Rob's Florist and Greenhouse, next to the fireworks store, 100 feet off the eastern exit from I-78. With so many mesothelioma lawyers, how do you choose the right firm for you and your family? I'm John Morgan of Morgan & Morgan, and here's my advice to you. 
do your research. Results matter. Reputation matters. Last year alone, our team recovered over a billion dollars for our clients. If you've been diagnosed with mesothelioma, call us now as the time to file a claim may be limited. Call 800-602-2200. That's 800-602-2200. Call now. Brace yourself for the ultimate holiday deal with Consumer Cellular. Snag an incredible 50% off the Iris Flip when you buy before December 17th, making it only $34.50. The Iris Flip is all the phone and camera you need with a user-friendly design, the perfect flip phone companion. Plus, you'll get nationwide coverage and always free activation. Score 50% off when you use promo code RADIO50. Head over to ConsumerCellular.com and use promo code RADIO50 during checkout to score this deal. Fox News. I'm Deborah Valentine. Three Israeli hostages killed mistakenly by Israeli Defense Force soldiers as they attempted to flee captivity carrying white flags. Fox's Grail Palcott is in Israel. It happened in the tough Shajaya neighborhood of Gaza City where Israeli troops were on operation. The three were mistakenly identified as the enemy and killed by the troops. Friends actor Matthew Perry died from the acute effects of the drug ketamine, according to the L.A. Medical Examiner. Here's Fox's Christina Coleman. 54-year-old Matthew Perry died from acute effects of ketamine. It says he had been receiving ketamine infusion therapy for depression and anxiety. Airline travelers filed over 26,000 complaints during the first five months of 2023. Fox's Kelly Saberi. Lost baggage to late refunds. Consumer complaints skyrocketed in 2023. America is listening to Fox News. The following is a paid-for advertisement. Are you in the car right now? Make AM790 the first preset on your radio. That way, you'll never miss what's happening in the Valley. And follow WAEB on iHeartRadio. That's me, the dancing queen. Thank you, Archie. Um, yep, if you know me, you know I love to dance, and um, I haven't done enough of that, actually. I have a, a little le- time left in 2023 to fix that. Done a lot of running. We talked about, like, a lot of miles racked up, but not enough dancing. Um, I think I ultimately, like, my best New Year's Eve celebration would just be, like, a dance party. One year, my daughter and I did that. We played uh, the Wii game, Just Dance, for hours on New Year's Eve. It was so fun. Um, I love that game. We haven't played it in a really long time. But it was literally like a just dance marathon. Um, and I'm really good at it. And she gets really mad that I always win. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for joining me for the show today. We've had so many great calls, which I really appreciate. Um, keep things moving and interesting. We talked about um, lots of stuff so far today. And one of the... Uh, highlights i think that is that bears repeating is the super important tax email from the mtm financial group tax department should be coming out this week it will have information and some forms so if you are a tax client keep an eye out check your spam if you don't see it and if you want to become a tax client tell us uh before you know sooner than later tell us sooner than later if you want to be on that distribution list and be uh, off to a great start for your tax prep 
then contact us. You can tell your advisor or you can email taxes at askmtm.com and you'll get all the information that you need and we can start uh, preparing for your um, 2023 tax prep. If you missed the beginning of the show, I talked a lot about um, the stock market returns and and historical data about what we might see happen in the next year. Um, I also talked about changes in uh, contribution limits and income bracket, uh, tax brackets and things like that. So um, if you're interested in knowing what to expect for 2024, which is right around the corner, you might want to catch the recording of this show when it's posted on our website on Monday afternoon or find it in your podcast app and um, get some information about about that. New contribution limits for your retirement accounts in 2024. Um, like I said, we had some good calls with questions that might help you and um oh one other kind of public service announcement is that the deadline to apply for the property tax or rent rebate program in pennsylvania is december 31st Um, you can file a rebate application online so this is uh for elderly people uh actually let me see uh 65 and older So if you are uh, 65 and older, if you are a widow or widower 50 and older, or someone with a disability aged 18 or older, you may be eligible for a rebate on your property taxes or rent that you paid. And this is actually for taxes or rent paid in 2022, Um, but you can apply for it by December 31st of this year. So the website where you can do that is mypath.com. .pa.gov. So go there. You can see if you're eligible. I'm pretty sure there are income limits uh, for that. So if you're not sure if that applies to you, but you fall into one of those categories, um, go to the MyPath website and see if you might be eligible and get some money back. Not, you know, it's not going to be earth shattering, but hey, every dollar counts. So you have a little bit of time left to do that. Um, check it out if it might help you. All right, and we have another phone call. This is great. I'm um, going to go back to the line, phone line and talk to Gary, another Gary. Good morning. Good morning, Alyssa. Great show. Thank you. I like the information that you're bringing this morning. Thanks so it's much. very informative. Yeah, it, it, you're doing a great job. Appreciate my, it. My question, though, uh, is we were talking earlier in the show regarding uh, the limits of IRAs and 401Ks. And it always bothered me why the disparity. If you were not fortunate enough that your company uh, provided a 401k, uh, you know you were limited to you know way back when. I mean five thousand, six thousand, whatever it might be. But yet, in all the people that have 401ks, they if they had the ability, could put in three times that. Mm-hmm. Why is that? You know, you're. It's so funny that you said that because I received an email that I was actually going to go through a couple emails I got um, after your call um, from a regular listener who has brought this up in the past, and he says the same thing. His words are: the difference between the 401k and IRA is criminal, and Congress should be brought up on charges. Um, his opinion on this is that there shouldn't be a difference in the amounts allowed, just that you maybe have a a combination of a total amount allowed and you can put it wherever you want. Um, it, I, I don't know why, and I, and I can't rationalize why the government does a lot of things. 
Um, <laughs> but you are not alone in um, in questioning that. I and you know the one good thing is the addition now of, and I don't know how many years it's been, but it's becoming more prevalent. The ability to have a Roth account in the 401k is helpful because that increases the amount that you can put into your tax-free retirement over what you could do in a Roth IRA. So I'm grateful grateful for that reason. But yeah, I honestly, I do not know why, but you, you're not alone in questioning um, the disparity and in, in the fairness of it. So if anybody does have insight about why, uh, feel free to email me or call. But um, yeah, it's it's annoying. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I could only have one IRA, right? Like I can only contribute. I shouldn't say it that way. I can only contribute, uh, like in this instance, $7,000 per year. I couldn't have uh, two separate ones and contribute fourteen. Right. right. You're right. Your annual limit into any account is seven thousand. Exactly. It's it's that you can't do okay. it into multiple. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All well, well, thank you very much for a depressing answer. But <laughs> sorry, I don't have a better I'm news. Sorry. Thanks for calling. You have a great weekend. Uh, you're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, so yeah, I referenced. I did get a couple emails over the break, and that was one of them I wanted to share. Um, the, the 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 disgruntled feeling about the difference in contribution limits between four hundred one k's and IRAs. Um, when we were talking about saving money um, and and investing for your future. Uh, this actual same uh, my loyal listener who emails me regularly said, um, when you're thinking about saving money and investing, you think of it as paying yourself and think of it like a bill you owe to someone else. Um, so it's a, an obligation and anything is better than nothing. So I, I like that. Um, I like that. And you can even put money aside in something very safe that right now is earning you know, five percent money market fund, um, and and you're you're paying yourself even more. So that's a, a great perspective. Look at it as a bill. Um, I got an email from someone who's asking me about. Um, oh, I yeah, I like this. He has a fourteen year old grandson who's interested in the stock market and asked if I could recommend a book to a young person that provides definitions for terms used in the market. Um, and you know, maybe something some, like something like kids and finance. So, um, Bob, I will look into that. I don't have one off the top of my head, but I will see if I can come up with something helpful for you. Um, and I'm actually glad you brought this up because I wanted to share something. Um, another, uh, listener of the radio show who I've worked with and met with a couple of times over the last couple of years, um, has been investing money for his grandson's that he wanted them to receive and kind of take ownership of after they graduated high school. And he came to meet with me a couple of weeks ago. I hope I haven't already shared this. I'm feeling like deja vu right now. But um, he was concerned about one of the grandsons in particular, just maybe not quite as mature and responsible yet and didn't want him to, you know, blow the money, like get this lump sum of, of money and spend it Foolishly, he wants to make sure that he is using it wisely because he's, you know, put it away over the years and it's come to be a pretty nice sum. So he came to me to see if I might be able to help and um, wants me to take over, you know, managing this account kind of so that there's a condition where his grandson will need to meet with me before he can really touch the money or use it or, uh, you know, it'll be a, a good way for him to learn about 
saving, investing, and planning, and you know, spending habits, it's oftentimes a lot more effective for a young person to hear that from someone who's not mom or dad or a grandparent um, to have a kind of outside, you know, neutral third party who's helping. So I said, of course, I'd be happy to do that. He knows I have an 18-year-old son, so I can uh, relate to his 18-year-old grandson and, and you know, understand where he's coming from, speak his language in a way. Um, and so um, that's, I think, a really smart thing for him to do for his grandson's future. And I love that this uh, email, um, Bob said, you know, his 14-year-old's interested. Something else, um, I think I did talk about this once before, actually in my newsletter, uh, one of my clients has a 14-year-old or 13 or 14-year-old son who's interested in the stock market, learned about it at school, and uh, wanted to start his own investment account to kind of learn, play with, you know, small amounts of money, but it's still, it's, it's good experience. So I found a good app for, for them to use that Fidelity has, a teen account. And it allows them to make their trades directly, but gives mom and dad access and allows them to buy fractional shares so they don't need large sums of money to buy stocks that have higher stock prices. Um, and they've been loving it. So if you know a young person who, and I'll, I'll send Bob that link for that too, uh, a young person who might be interested and wants to sort of dip their toe in the water, that Fidelity um, teen investing program might be a great way to do it. Um Okay, so we've got a little bit of time left. We have somebody calling, um, so that's great. We'll have another opportunity to help somebody else. Oh, I just want to share a tidbit in the meantime. Um, I was reading an article called 15 Common Sense Concepts About Money, and this article referenced CNBC um, making this point in 2022. So it was from last year, but it's still relevant. So CNBC said that if you had invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 index in 1988, in September of 2022, that $10,000 would be worth $155,000 based on appreciation alone. But then this was the interesting uh, part. If dividends had been reinvested over that period, the value would have jumped from 155000 to 329000 So reinvested dividends accounted for 68% of the return. Um, so that's a really kind of fascinating concept. Um, one of those things that, you're, that makes you go, hmm. Are my dividends set to reinvest in my investment accounts? Um, it it really compounds. Um, so I thought I'd share that with you. It's interesting. Some um, people who need income from their investment accounts have it set up that instead of reinvesting the dividends and interest, they're taking that out as cash flow. I actually have, I think, two of my clients do that. Um, it's kind of like they don't need a whole lot coming out of their accounts, but it's a way to just you know, not deplete the principal, um, get a little extra. Um, and so it, it serves a good purpose. But if you want to really um, compound your growth, reinvesting dividends, that just really shows you you can take 10000 turn it into 155000 or turn it into 329000 That was pretty cool. Um, we're going to go back to the phones and I'm going to welcome the Clarkster. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> 
morning. Thanks for calling. We're putting voice to email now. Yes, I appreciate that. What's up? Um, The other non-protection of an IRA versus a 401k, 403b, is like you had a caller. If you're participating in a 401k or a 403b, fine. You don't have to take a distribution if you're in the RMD period. Mm -hmm. But if you worked for another company and had a 401k and rolled it into an IRA, that doesn't have protection. Right. So you would then have to take a distribution. Yes. Yes, that's that's right. that's, That's another difference on the 401k versus IRA situation. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were talking about the contribution limits being disparate and now all the distribution rules also that, yeah, you kind of feel like, hey, it's not fair, right? Right. Well, then it's forcing people, if they can, from an old job to a new job, to roll it into the current jobs 401k. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point that you actually do have the ability to do that. So that's something important to keep in mind if you are RMD age or nearing it and plan on continuing to work. If yep. you don't want to take RMDs, you might move that former employer plan into your current one instead of into an IRA just to prevent the, that requirement. Yeah, Right. Why they allowed the disparity between the two is just shocking. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's reprehensible, you know, yeah. uh, that they, they do that. And not only that, you're limited to $7,000 if you wanted to split it between a Roth right. and an IRA. Right. It's not, it's not like you could do 7000 in a Roth and 7000 in an IRA. I mean, what? Are, I can't imagine what they're thinking down there. <laughs> now, yeah, you, you and me both. <laughs> There's a lot of things that that, that, that applies to, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And I've thought that same thing as well. Um, you know, 7000 to each type would make more sense at least. Um, but yeah. that's just the total. So, yeah, thank you for, for calling and uh, sharing that. I like your um, suggestion there about the keep that in mind. If you if you have uh, an old plan, what should you do with it? If you don't want to have to take RMDs, then that might be a reason to move it into um, 401K. So it's a good strategy. Thank you. All right. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much. I appreciate your call. You have a good right. day. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, We have a little more time left, so I have more interesting statistics for you. Um, This also comes courtesy of my colleague, Mark Belzac. He likes to share cool stuff he finds with us, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, A common topic that's been coming up in my conversations with clients over the last, I don't know, year, I guess all year, um, when we have our quarterly reviews, been talking a lot about, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the market. And next year in particular, for one specific reason, there's a presidential election. And as we all know, it's just, I can't even. Like, there's so much nonsense. It's so ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry. There's just so much. I I, I can't, I can't even stand it. Um, We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to end up back in the Oval Office. It's scary. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, I'm scared for lots lots of different reasons. Um, There is uncertainty there and the market might have some kind of drastic reaction. So we don't know. We don't, who ends up getting elected? What will the market do after that happens? Up or down? It, It could be a substantial change. Which way? We don't know. Who? We don't know. 
And so it's been coming up a lot lately because a lot of the investments that we're using have um, defined outcome periods. And when you have um, an outcome period where your return is based on a point-to-point comparison, it's uh, the timing of that's important. So you might have that in, let's say, a fixed indexed annuity, or you might have it in um, an income buffer ETF or even just a growth-oriented buffered ETF or a structured note. So any of those kinds of investments, the way that they might work is you'll compare an index value, and in our case, most of the time we're using the S&P 500. So you're going to compare that index value, the date that you purchase the investment, to uh, the value at the end of the outcome period or at maturity. So it's a point-to-point comparison, date one to date two. And what is the change? And the change will determine how much money you made on that investment, or it might determine whether you lose any of your principal. That's what they say, what they mean when they say point to point. Um, So if we're looking at an outcome period that might end shortly after the presidential election, whether it's in November, in December, even in January, I'm a little nervous about what that point to point comparison could be. Some of these might be a two year holding period. So for example, you bought the investment in um, 2022, and the outcome period ends in 2024, right after the election. Or you buy it a one-year outcome period, and it's January 2023 to January 2024. If there is some kind of drastic market reaction to the presidential election, in the negative particularly, are you putting your principal at great risk? Uh, That's something I've been talking about. Um, trying to be strategic about the timing of those kinds of investments just in case. So it could be that, hey, the market spikes upward and, you know, we'll make money. But what if (laughs) the opposite happens? So trying to be safe. So this article that Mark shared with our team was interesting because um, it gives historical data about the S&P 500 index returns in U.S. presidential election years. I'm going to be honest, I reading this honestly didn't really see any clear patterns. What I was trying to discern was if the average returns when a Republican was elected versus a Democrat was elected, if there's great disparity. Now, according to this summary, I guess I should believe that these numbers are accurate. According to the summary, the average return during an election year when a Republican was elected is 15.3%. When a Democrat is elected, it's 76 So that actually is like half. Like the Democrat result is half of the Republican. But when I was looking at the annual um, numbers based on president and based on that president's political party, it kind of honestly looks all over the map to me. So it's really hard to say, like, I'm being skeptical about the the data, is it really tied to the Democratic Party? I'm going to say I don't think it doesn't look like it is. There's so many other factors that would influence the S&P 500 return during any one of these given years separate from the presidential party, right? Like the the political party of the president. Like 
is there a pandemic? Is there a war? Is, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of other stuff going on. So I'm not really feeling like the trend is really solid, but the averages speak for themselves, I guess. Republican, 15.3. Democrat, 7.6. So something I think maybe a little more um, uh, relevant or solid. There have been 23 presidential elections since the S&P 500 began. In these election years, 83% of the time there was positive performance. Eh, so that's pretty solid. Um, let me see. I think there was something else. Okay, so yeah, the, they also had some averages. And this is uh, independent of the political party of the elected president. The 12 months before the election, the average S&P um, performance was 8.4%. And then the average performance 12 months after an election was 9.3. So when you couple this data with what we were talking about earlier with the trend, like historical trends in the S&P, like following a month that did so well, like in November, um, it's just another piece of historical data that points to a strong likelihood of a positive return in the S&P in the 2024. So Again, I don't have a crystal ball. Past performance does not promise future results. But these are just um, reference points. And they feel promising. So if you want some hope, you can say, hey, <laughs> I hope that means um, good things for us. Um, we've got two minutes left. So I'm going to share something goofy that I prepared for you before I say goodbye. And that is the 12 days of Christmas more than money style. Okay, so on the 12th day of Christmas, more than money gave to me 12 monthly RMD deposits, 11 ETFs, a 10 o'clock appointment with Mark Basak, 9% downside protection, an 8 o'clock radio show, 7 financial advisors, 6 mutual funds, 5 journey guide scenarios, 4 quarterly review meetings, 3% interest on a fixed annuity, 2 life insurance policies, and one income tax return. One more show until Christmas. Um, I thank you for joining me. I pray for safe travels for the Dickinson family and a joyous day. Uh, congratulations to Dr. Alyssa. I am off to my daughter's soccer game at Kutztown University. It is not soccer weather, but I will do my best to stay warm. Uh, you can make an appointment with any one of us by calling 610-746-7007 during the week. That's the More Than Money World Headquarters phone number, 610-746-7007. We would love to welcome you into our offices to talk about how we can help. In the meantime, you have a wonderful weekend. We will be back with you next Saturday on More Than Money. Thanks for tuning in. Wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings, when friends come to call, it's the half happiest season of all. There'll be parties for WAEB. Okay, honey, plug in the lights. Plugging.
Unplug it! Unplug it! Unplug it again! Is the Santa Claus supposed to make sparks like that? I think I might be on fire. Can I be of service? The when disaster strikes, when your awesome Christmas lights are just too much for your lousy electrical panel, one man will be by your side, fighting for truth, justice, and a hazard-free holiday. The well, aren't you a jolly, handsome little elf? I'm the H.L. Bowman Bowman. And did you know that the electrical experts at H.L. Bowman can replace or expand your old electrical panel to keep your holiday display shining brightly? Without all the sparks and the burning smell? I believe that's his hair, madam. Do either of you have a fire extinguisher? The H.L. Bowman Bowman. Visit hlbowman.com. News Radio 790.